And we are live with the Dallas Gang Podcast. Wherever you may be and however you may be listening, welcome. And I'm your host, Zach Austin. Well, it is Super Bowl Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. It is Super Bowl Sunday with the Chiefs and the Eagles meeting up in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs are making their fourth, no, fifth. This is the Chiefs' fifth appearance in the big game. The Philadelphia Eagles are making their fourth. Both teams come into the game with, I believe, identical 14-3 and records in the regular season. Having, like, you know, both were the number one seeds. Both got their own great quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes won his second league MVP last night. I got the Chiefs probably at three-point favorites in this one. You could probably get me on the bet and odds at Chiefs plus two and a half. Chiefs are an early favorite in this one. I mean, I, I want the Eagles to win, but I like the Chiefs, you know. I think the way I see it, someone may beat Patrick Mahomes, but they're going to have to bleed to do it. So, but I did see a stat on paper where this game is as evenly matched as evenly matched gets. You know, I saw something where they almost average the same amount of yards per game. From what I heard, basically, it is a very close matchup on paper. Actually, no, I was incorrect. I, th- I would have thought the Chiefs were favorites, but as it turns out, the Eagles are one-and-a-half-point favorites. And a lot of the talk is about how the Eagles have the better roster, but I'm not buying it. I'm not buying that. Patrick Mahomes, who's already an all-time great QB, and he's got a top three tight end of all time to throw to. But a big story in this game, it is the first time that two brothers will be competing in the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey, tight end for the Chiefs. Jason Kelsey, center for the Eagles. I bet there's a lot of chaos going around in that household. It's going to be a crazy one. It's going to be a crazy game down at State Farm Stadium, formerly known as University of Phoenix Stadium, down in Glendale, Arizona. And for the first time in three years, we will not have a home team hosting the Super Bowl. Yeah, but I like the Chiefs in this one. Again, like, reason, the reason being, I mean, Patrick Mahomes is, we're watching, could he be a successor, like, could he be the next Tom Brady? I don't know. It's going to be unbelievably hard to do, but as far as I'm concerned, he's already on the path to doing it. So, But just amazing to me, like, what Mahomes has been able to accomplish almost trumps out of anyone else in NFL history, like besides maybe Tom Brady. <clears throat> That's going to be a hell of a game. The AFC Championship games were excellent. You know, the Eagles... We're able to beat the 49ers in their fourth string quarterback. You know, it's unfortunate that Brock Purdy went down. I think he instantly became a 49ers fan favorite. And whereas there were no injuries in the Bengals Chiefs game, but that just goes to show e- evenly matched teams, you know, the main build up to the game, you know, the mayor of Cincinnati calling Arrowhead Stadium Burrowhead. And the Chiefs made, a, made that Cincinnati mayor go out and eat. Every word that he said about the Chiefs going in, and the Chiefs let him hear it. You know, the Chiefs let him hear it. You know, Nick Wright, who 
I absolutely loathe said it, but um, anyway, it's evenly matched on paper. You know, I saw somewhere I wasn't able to find it right away. You know, where it was about as evenly matched the Super Bowl as it gets. Chiefs are starting to win me over now a little bit. You know, I actually went to a playoff game three years ago with my dad. Yeah, it was three years ago, 2020. And that was fun. That's kind of what started this Chiefs dynasty, you know, that they have going on right now in the making. So, um, you know, yeah, Patrick Mahomes has been unbelievable. Five straight FC championship games, a 24-0 comeback against the Houston Texans. I was at that game. That's the game I went to with my dad three years ago. It was a crazy game. You know, 13 seconds getting the field goal range. You know, and now something like this. I mean, second straight MVP, Mahomes fully deserved it. I don't think they were going to give it to anyone else. Um, I mean, again, I want the Eagles to to win, but um, I think the Chiefs will. You know, I, I know better than to count the Chiefs out. But it's going to be a very close game. It's a coin flip, if you ask me. And then the halftime show, Rihanna's doing the halftime show. And speaking of halftime shows, I'll have my brother Christopher Austin here in just a moment to talk about the history of the Super Bowl and the halftime shows. But speaking of history of the Super Bowl, you know, you know, just a thought. Um, you know, since um. Since it's Super Bowl Sunday, you know, Christopher and I talk about the history of Super Bowl halftime shows. I might have to give you a brief history, you know, Super Bowls and final scores while I'm at it. You know, for these, you know, I'll do that and then, you know, I'll talk about a brief history and that of the Super Bowl. And then Christopher Austin will join the show right after that. So here we go. Super Bowl one. Green Bay Packers 35, the Kansas City Chiefs 10. Bart Starr won the MVP and Max McGee caught two touchdowns as Vince Lombardi's Packers won their second straight NFL championship in fourth and six years in the first ever Super Bowl on January 15, 1967 in Los Angeles at the Los Angeles Coliseum. Super Bowl II, Bart Starr again won MVP. As the Packers won their second straight Super Bowl, third straight NFL championship, by a score of 33 to 14, I believe it was. Yeah, I th- I think it was 33 14. Yeah, 33. It was absolutely 33 14. And then the next year, the Jets. The Jets. Can you believe it? The Jets won a Super Bowl. Believe it or not, January 12th, 1969, over the. 18-point favorite Baltimore Colts, 16-7. That game had the most impact. We, we could be seeing two NFC teams playing in the Super Bowl. We w- The merger wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for that. People thought the AFL was inferior to the NFL. And yet, Joe Willie Namath goes out there, throws for 206 yards. No, inter- no touchdowns, but he threw no interceptions in that game. Which is That's probably the biggest upset in the history of the Super Bowl. Spearheaded by Joe Willie's guarantee. Joe Namath's guarantee. We're going to win the game, he said three days before the Super Bowl. I guarantee it. He backed it up. 
Mad respect for Broadway Joe. I love that guy, man. Super Bowl four. The Vikings. Lose to the Chiefs. Okay, I'm not going to get into that one YouTube video I once saw, but yeah, yes, the Chiefs. In their last Super Bowl win prior to 2019, they did beat the Vikings in that Super Bowl by a score of 23-7 as former Montana State Bobcat kicker Jan Stenerud kicked three field goals and Len Dawson hit Otis Taylor for the what proved to be the game-clinching touchdown. You know, a few drives before that, the Chiefs ran the legendary best play call in NFL history, 65-toss power trap. Where they handed it to Alvin Guerin on a trap play, and he just walks in untouched for the touchdown. Chief fans will remember that play forever. Super Bowl V, that was in Miami. The first of four Super Bowls the Colts franchise played in. Actually, second. The second Super Bowl in which the, the Colts played in, all of which have been played in Miami. They won on a last-second field goal. 16 to 13 over the Dallas Cowboys. Chuck, Chuck Howley, who just got inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame yesterday, became the first and still to this day the only player to, from, from the losing team to win Super Bowl MVP. But the Colts won it on a last second field goal. Two different quarterbacks. They won it with a backup quarterback, too. Johnny Unitas got injured. Then Earl Morrill came and led him to victory. Super Bowl six was the Cowboys came right back after losing the year before and won it. 24-3. It's the best defensive performance in Super Bowl history over the Miami Dolphins. Roger Staubach won his first of two. No, I think that, that was Roger Staubach's only Super Bowl MVP. Best quarterback the Dallas Cowboys ever had. but yeah, I think it was in Tulane Stadium, I'd like to say. Um, you know, in Super Bowl Seven, the Miami Dolphins become the only NFL team to this day to, in the Super Bowl era to finish the season undefeated, 17-0, as they defeat the Washington football team. I'm not going to say that word. Currently, the Washington Commanders... 14-7 at the L.A. Coliseum. No team's gone undefeated since. 2007 Patriots, you came close, but no cigar. Super Bowl Eight. The Miami Dolphins repeated as champions in their most recent Super Bowl victory, 24-7 over the Minnesota Vikings, in which Larry Zonka, Hall of Fame running back, was named Super Bowl MVP with his two touchdowns. It was the second... Super Bowl loss out, out of four in that span of that decade for the Vikings. That was the first Super Bowl that Fran Tarkenton started. And I think it was the last game ever. I think it was played at Rice Stadium in Houston, Texas. I think it was the only Super Bowl that was played in that stadium specifically. Super Bowl nine, where the Steelers would cement their Steel Curtain dynasty in 1974 season. Fran Tarkenton became the victim of the first safety in Super Bowl history. It was only 2-0 in the half Steelers Super Bowl victory. 16-6 over the Vikings in Super Bowl IX. Super Bowl X, the Steelers would repeat as champions. Defeating the Vikings 20... No, they defeat the... They beat the Cowboys, dang me. They beat the Cowboys 21-17, led by Lin Swan's Heroics. 
Lin Swan was named MVP of that one. And Super Bowl eleven was 32-14, the Oakland Raiders over the Minnesota Vikings. That was their Vikings' most recent Super Bowl appearance, all four of which ended with losses. Um, let me think here. Who was the MVP? Dang, why can't I remember the MVP of that one? Oh, the more I think about it, Fred Boletnikoff won the MVP. Dang me. Let me think. I, I, I'd like to say he had like four catches for 96 yards or something. and He didn't score a touchdown. I think he was tackled on the one-yard line on all of his catches, but... Yeah, I think he had four catches. Yeah, I'd like to say he had 96 yards receiving, but don't quote me on that. I need to start doing more research. But um, even though the Raiders missed two extra points, they gave John Madden his only Super Bowl title as a coach. He was an even more a legendary broadcaster. But the Raiders' first of three Super Bowls that their franchise has won. Super Bowl twelve was the Dallas Cowboys over... The Denver Broncos. I want to say 27 to 10. Yeah, 27 to 10 was the final score. Randy White and Harvey Martin shared the Super Bowl MVP for the, the Doomsday Cowboys defense. That's the only time in Super Bowl history two men have shared the Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl 13 was probably prior to 2017, it was the highest. Scoring Super Bowl in history. When the Cowboys won 35 to 31. No, the Steelers won 35 31 over the Cowboys. Terry Bradshaw threw four touchdown passes to lead his team to the win. And the Cowboys scored late scored two late fourth quarter touchdowns, but it was too much to overcome. As the Steelers won the Super Bowl for the third time in Orange Bowl Stadium in Miami. In Super Bowl 14, it would be the Steelers' fourth crown. As Terry Bradshaw's 74-yard pass to John Stallworth gave the Steelers the lead for good in their fourth Super Bowl. And Terry Bradshaw, for the second straight year, was named Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl 15 was the Raiders over the Eagles. Super Bowl 15 was... A 27-10 win for the Oakland Raiders over the Philadelphia Eagles. Jim Plunkett, I believe, was the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, Jim Plunkett was the Super Bowl MVP as his 80-yard pass to Kenny King set the tone for the Raiders' victory. And, and setting a record in the Super Bowl with three interceptions in a single game for the Raiders was none other than Rod Martin. That's a Super Bowl record that I think it's going to be hard to top. Three interceptions in a game. How did he not win the MVP for that? Blows my mind. Super Bowl 16 was the 49ers first of the 1980s. A 26-21 win over the Cincinnati Bengals and Joe Montana won his first of three Super Bowl MVPs in the 49ers victory. And that Super Bowl included what I am to believe is the greatest goal line stand in Super Bowl history. The Bengals had the ball on four, like three times from the one yard line. They couldn't punch it in. Unbelievable. 1982 was a huge comeback victory. 27 to 17, the the Washington Commanders over the Miami Dolphins. 
as John Riggins' 43-yard run in the fourth quarter on a fourth-and-one play led his team to the victory. He was named Super Bowl MVP for his efforts. The Commanders made it back to the big game the next year in a 38-9 loss in Super Bowl 18 to the Los Angeles Raiders, where Marcus Allen's two touchdown runs of 5 and 74 yards, the 74-yard one coming on the final play of the third quarter, leading the Raiders to their third and most recent Super Bowl victory. Super Bowl 19 was the 49ers over the Dolphins in the Dolphins' most recent Super Bowl appearance. It was Joe Montana's second Super Bowl MVP. I think Montana threw three touchdown passes in the 49ers' win after trailing after the first quarter. The game was played at the Stanford Stadium in Southern California. It was league MVP Dan Marino who threw... 5,084 yards that go and 48 touchdowns in the regular season that got most of the publicity in the pregame, but it was Montana who walked away with the win and the Super Bowl MVP. 1985 Dub Bears. The 1985 Bears, considered by many to be among the greatest teams in NFL history, especially on defense, registered back-to-back shutouts of 21-0 and 24-0 respectively against two playoff teams to convincingly win Super Bowl 20 46-10 over the New England Patriots. As Buddy Ryan's famed 46 defense and Mike Ditka's per- team of per- personality and all-time great defense led the Bears to their only Super Bowl victory. 1986, the New York football Giants 35, the, the Denver Broncos 20. It would be the first of three Super Bowl losses that John Elway would suffer before finally winning two rings in the late 1990s. As Phil Simms' Super Bowl record, 17-20 completions, I think it was. Actually, I think it was 16-19. He had three incomplete passes all game, and two of those were drops. Super Bowl record that still stands to this day in terms of completion percentage for now CBS broadcaster Phil Simms. Super Bowl 22. The Denver Broncos led 10-0 over the Washington Commanders in Super Bowl 22 in early 1988, but in a lockout-shortened season, but the Broncos would not score again. Spearheaded by the rushing of Timmy Smith and the right arm of Doug Williams. The Commanders erupted for 35 second quarter points en route to a 42-10 blowout of the Broncos at San Diego. Super Bowl 23, Joe Montana's finest hour perhaps. As he led a 90-yard drive in the final three minutes, culminating with a 10-yard touchdown pass to John Taylor to cement their status as a dynasty, their Third Super Bowl win of the 1980s, 20-16 over the Cincinnati Bengals. As Jerry Rice's 11 catches tied or set was a Super Bowl record as at the time. Jerry Rice is the greatest receiver of all time, by the way. The next year, the 49ers would repeat as champions under first-year head coach George Seifert with a blowout 
55-10 win over the Denver Broncos. 55-10, that remains the largest blowout in Super Bowl history. Super Bowl 25, the New York Giants 20, Buffalo Bills 19. That game is best known for Bill Belichick's game plan. Perhaps one of the finest in the history of this league. His defensive game plan to shut down the Bills' K-gun offense, led by Jim Kelly, and the heroics of backup quarterback Jeff Hostetler led the Giants to victory. Super Bowl 26, the Washington Commanders, for the third time, won the Super Bowl in a blowout 37-24 win over the Bills at Minneapolis. Super Bowl 27, the Dallas Cowboys began their dynasty in the 90s with a 52-17 win over the Buffalo Bills, led by Troy Aikman's four touchdown passes. Once again, the the same two teams and the same champion the next year in Super Bowl 28, as the Dallas Cowboys handed the Bills their fourth straight Super Bowl loss. And Emmitt Smith ran for two touchdowns in the second half, as the Cowboys staged a second-half comeback for a 30-13 victory. Super Bowl 29... The 49ers defeated the Chargers 49-26, spearheaded by Steve Young's Super Bowl record six touchdown passes that still stands to this day. Super Bowl 30. This time the Cowboys proved too much for the Steelers as they defeated them, I think, 27-17 to win their fifth and most recent Super Bowl title. I hope I'm not wrong on that score. Super Bowl 31. The Packers, for the first time since their dynasty of the 60s, won the Super Bowl as they defeated the New England Patriots by a score of 35-21. to Spearhead is by Desmond Howard's 99-yard kickoff return with two minutes to go in the third quarter. Closed out the scoring, and he became the first and still to this day only special teams player to win Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl 32. John Elway finally gets his championship. John Elway finally goes out a winner as Terrell Davis' three touchdown runs propelled the Broncos to the victory. The Broncos would repeat the next year in Super Bowl 33, defeating the Falcons 34-19. John Elway threw for an 80-yard touchdown to Rod Smith and ran for another himself as the Broncos won their second Super Bowl title. Super Bowl 34. The Rams won their first ever Super Bowl title and their only one prior to this last year as Kurt Warner's Super Bowl record 414 yards and two touchdowns led the Rams to the victory. 23-16 over the Tennessee Titans after Kevin Dyson was tackled one yard short which would have sent the game to overtime. Super Bowl 35. The Baltimore Ravens 34. The New York Giants 7. Led by an A dominant effort by the Ravens defense, led in part by their leader, Ray Lewis, who's arguably the greatest middle linebacker to ever play the game of football. Super Bowl 36, Tom Brady and the Patriots started what would become a dynasty as Tom Brady's 145 yards and a touchdown led the Patriots to victory as Adam Vinatieri's last second 48-yard field goal gave the Patriots the victory. Super Bowl 37, another one of the great defenses in NFL history. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers defeated the Oakland Raiders 
in San Diego by a score of 48-21, to led in part by MVP Dexter Jackson's two interceptions. Rich Gannon threw five interceptions to the Buccaneers' defense, three of which were returned for touchdowns, and the, the Buccaneers' dominant 48-21 victory. Super Bowl 38, the Patriots won their second Super Bowl in three years, led by, once again, by MVP Tom Brady. This is three touchdown passes. And once again, Adam Vinatieri's last-second field goal gave the Patriots the win over the Carolina Panthers 32-29 on the first day of February in 2004. The Patriots made it their dynasty official the next year, three out of four, defeating the Eagles 24-21 in Jacksonville. Deion Branch, this time, would be named most valuable player. In 2005, the Steelers won their fifth Super Bowl title, defeating the Seahawks 21-10. Big Ben Roethlisberger had a passer rating of only 22 lower than his age, but Willie Parker's Super Bowl record 75-yard run and Heinz Ward's heroics at receiver led the Steelers to the victory. Heinz Ward's fourth-quarter touchdown led what would be MVP efforts for him and Bill Cowher's only Super Bowl title as head coach of the Steelers. Super Bowl 41. Despite Devin Hester's kickoff for touchdown opening kickoff, Peyton Manning in the offense proved to be too much for the Bears as they would win that game 29-17 in Miami in a rainstorm. Super Bowl 42 may be among the greatest Super Bowls of all time. Very significant ones. As the New York football giants ended the Patriots' bid for a perfect season, led by an 83-yard drive in the final 2 minutes 39 seconds of the game, and Eli Manning's Final 13-yard pass to Plaxico Burris in the corner of the end zone, leading the Giants to victory and ending the Patriots' bid for a perfect season. Super Bowl 43, the Steelers' most recent title, as Big Ben's big drive in the fourth quarter and and James Harrison's 100-yard interception return for a touchdown on the final play of the first half, among other things led the Steelers to their sixth Super Bowl title, becoming the first team to do that. Super Bowl 44, the Saints 31, the Colts 17. The Colts, this was the Colts' fourth Super Bowl appearance, all four of which were in Miami, but the Saints were able to win their first and only Super Bowl title to this day, led by Tracy Porter's pick six of Peyton Manning in the fourth quarter. Drew Brees was named Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl 45. The Packers' most recent Super Bowl that they have won. Aaron Rodgers was 24 of 39 in passing, I think. I could have the completions wrong, but... He threw for 304 yards and three touchdowns as the Packers led the whole way in a 31-25 win over the Steelers in the Steelers' most recent Super Bowl appearance. 2011 Super Bowl 46, it was once again the Giants over the Patriots, 21-17. As Ahmad Bradshaw's 8-yard touchdown run with 57 seconds left helped lead the Giants to victory. For the second time, Eli Manning was named Super Bowl MVP. 2012, in the first only Super Bowl that ever pitted brothers head coaches against each other, Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh, the Ravens prevailed 34-31 to in their most recent Super Bowl win. Joe Flacco 
who went through the entire postseason, eight touchdowns and no interceptions, was named Super Bowl MVP. Super Bowl 48. The Seahawks scored 12 seconds into both halves entered to their first Super Bowl title as the Legion of Boom became what it would become. Malcolm Smith, led by his pick six in the second quarter, helps take down the most statistically dominant offense the league has ever seen in a 43-8 win over the Broncos. That game was over, I'll tell you what, from, from the first snap. Safety to start the game. Kickoff return to start the second half. 22-0 at halftime. 36-0 after three. It was not a fun Super Bowl to watch. Super Bowl 49. For the first time in 10 years, Tom Brady leads the Patriots to victory. Has a Super Bowl record of 37 completions. And also threw four touchdowns in the game. And along with Malcolm Butler's interception on the one-yard line. Helps lead the Patriots to victory for the fourth time. 2015, Peyton Manning went out a champion. Led by that defense, the Denver Broncos defeated the Carolina Panthers 24-10 in Santa Clara in Super Bowl 50. Super Bowl 51, unbelievable. Throwing for nearly 450 yards and leading a Super Bowl record 28-3 comeback. Tom Brady cemented his status as the greatest quarterback of all time by setting a Super Bowl record for passing yards and Super Bowl best leading the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history, defeating the Falcons 34 to 28 in what is the only overtime that's ever been played in a Super Bowl game. The Patriots made it back to the Super Bowl against the Eagles the next year in Super Bowl 52, but they were unable to repeat. As despite throwing for 505 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions, the Patriots fell on the losing end to backup quarterback Nick Foles and the Philadelphia Eagles 41-33 in what is the highest scoring Super Bowl game of all time. Super Bowl 53, the Patriots were back on top for a sixth time as Julian Edelman's 10 catches in the ball game helped propel the Patriots to victory. 13-3 in the lowest scoring Super Bowl game of all time over the Los Angeles Rams. Super Bowl 54 the next year. Patrick Mahomes, as we know him today, helped led a 10-point fourth quarter comeback in a 31-20 victory over the San Francisco 49ers at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Super Bowl 55. Tom Brady won his seventh ring in his first year with the Buccaneers. Led by T- Gronkow- Rob Gronkowski's two touchdown catches and Tom Brady's three touchdown passes, the Buccaneers became the first team to win a Super Bowl in their home stadium as they won their second Super Bowl over the Kansas City Chiefs 31-9. Patrick Mahomes struggled all day and especially his offensive line as he was running for his life all day. The next year... In another fourth quarter comeback, and in another team that pitted a home team, the Los Angeles Rams won their first Super Bowl since 1999 in a 23-20 win over Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals. Cooper Cup caught the winning touchdown and was named Super Bowl MVP. Well, I guess that does it for the Super Bowl history and the history of the big game. We're going to have another great one this year in the 57th edition of that big game. We're going to take a break here on the Dolls Gang Podcast. When we come back, 
We'll have Christopher Austin on the show. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Dollars Gang Podcast. It is our Super Bowl Sunday edition, and joining me right now is Christopher Austin as we talk about what is to come and what has come on Super Bowl Sundays. The halftime show is the most popular thing and one of the more most watched and anticipated things that the Super Bowl has to offer. And as this man right here tells me, it was a couple of months ago when he was over at a friend's house and for whatever reason they did, I guess what he called a Super Bowl halftime show marathon where they went through all of the halftime shows ever. I think there's been 57 of them, I believe there was. And then he went home and made a hierarchical ranking of all of them. Christopher, kind of tell me about that and, you know, tell me about that time, you know, from the time you started watching them to, until you started ranking them. Well, thanks for having me on, Zach. I, uh, what happened was, this is a couple months ago, a buddy of mine, uh, we had just learned that uh, Rihanna is doing the the next halftime show, the upcoming one, the 2023 one. And so we got the idea to uh, watch uh, the last uh, 50 of it. We watched from 82 to 22. Um, so uh, that's 40, bad math. But uh, uh, yeah, we, we got together and we actually came to, to our house after we had the idea. We just turned on, they're all on YouTube. We watched all of them. And then as we went, we, we actually had a tier list and we like kind of ranked them all. And then we were looking at, you know, game stats as we were going. We were looking at the teams involved and like, I think that the halftime show is a really interesting spectacle that is very unique in, in terms of like concerts, uh, within a a sporting event. Yeah. And, um, and you brought up Rihanna recently. Um, yeah. What what are your thoughts on, you know, her being chosen? You know, I thought it originally, I feel like everyone thought it was going to be Taylor Swift at one point. And I guess now it's Rihanna. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, I didn't. I had no idea about the, the Taylor Swift speculation. I think that she definitely has the uh, the the showmanship ability to do it, to pull it off. I think that there's a couple things like as we looked through the past forty years of Super Bowl halftimes, we realized that there really is like a specific like set of qualities that a good halftime performer needs to have. And uh, you know, once you get a certain number of those qualities together, you can really like make a show-stopping uh, uh, halftime show. Um, and I think Rihanna has that, has the chops. So. Really? Yeah. Cheers cheers to Rihanna. Good luck. Yeah, now, um, you said 1982 is where you started, correct? It was, yeah. In 1982, so the thing about the Super Bowl halftime show is that it is a concert, uh, but the form that it takes is different than a lot of other concerts just due to the sheer amount of eyeballs on the performance, the sheer amount of budget that it's allowed, the sheer amount of uh, like resources at its disposal. And that gives the uh, performers that do this, the halftime show a, an ability to take the show one step from like not just being like a concert, but being like a, a much more like transcendent musical experience, right? They got different stages. They got uh, pyro, massive pyrotechnics. And uh, uh, all sorts of stuff that just the sheer amount of eyeballs on it give them the ability to to, to uh, 
do something bigger than a normal concert. And I think that that wasn't really understood uh, up until, I mean, basically the 90s. And so in 82, we had a couple um, fairly standard halftime concerts. We had this group called Up With People. Uh, they did a couple shows in the, in the 70s and 80, early 80s. We have an exciting halftime extravaganza in store for you this afternoon. Up With People and a special performance featuring music of the 1960s. Uh, which is basically this massive group of people that got together and were doing like pop medleys. And, and it was seriously like, it looked like it was like a hundred people out on the, the stage. It was too many people out on the field. They were just kind of all doing their own dances. It didn't seem very coordinated. Uh, and it was, it was much more uh, a spectacle designed around the people in the stadium rather than being like an on like a TV audience, right? Which is the majority of the people that watch the Super Bowl. Later on, they started to be designed a lot more so that it works for both. It works for people in the stands and for people watching at home. And it certainly did not have that in 82 with Up With People. And maybe the same could be said in 83. Now, I know in 83, they did a... Disney medley is basically what it was, was the next one. Um, now, of course, you know, some of these since then have been really good. Some weren't. Of course, you, you ranked all of them. So um, which of these halftime shows are the ones that stood out to you the most? Well, let's see. So in the early 80s, we had, you know, some real uh, real stinkers. We had Up With People, which we really didn't like. We had a lot of the Disney ones. Disney hosted a ton of the halftime shows, and it, it uh, just felt more like an ad than anything. Um, and, you know, an ad, usually, and it usually was. It was usually, like, opening of a new, you know, section of Disneyland or, or Disney World or something like that. In 91, they had a really, um, a really strong involvement with the military because... Uh, that was the the year of the Gulf War, and they actually had a cameo by at the time President George H. W. Bush, Poppy, and uh, and they had a real a jetpack. That was really the only highlight of that one. That was Disney hosting that, but they had a little a, a bunch of you know Air Force people. Uh, it was it was very weird and and jarring and and kind of crashed together in a way that that did not work. Um, the ones that really stand out to me start with Michael Jackson in 1993, where he kind of was the first person to understand the form of the Super Bowl halftime show. He was the first one to understand that, like, the unique spectacle of it uh, allowed him, uh, uh, to, you know, greater freedom in that creative space. Uh, he comes out, he waits for, like, two minutes just to let people cheer, just just a couple solid minutes and it's awesome. It's really great. He, he does this thing where he has, I assume acting doubles all, all across the stadium. So it looks like he's teleporting like on top of the, oh, yeah. the sign and on the, on the other wall. And then he comes up on the stage and, uh, and then he, he put on a great show. I think that was our first, like we did do a, a massive tier list of this. Um, that was our first S tier was the Michael Jackson show. And that's really what got, uh, uh, everything started on this, this actually good path. You know, before that, there were some, some bad standouts as well. Uh, notably, in my opinion, the worst halftime show, which was 1990, 
uh, only three years before Michael Jackson actually figured it out how to do it. Uh, it was the Peanuts show that, uh, with Charlie Brown and Snoopy, and, and uh, they, they, it was in New Orleans. They tried to do like a – they had a riverboat kind of parade float thing, but it just seemed so weird and uncoordinated. Um, the songs were so like lackluster, and it, it just completely fell apart and was – was not just boring, but like angering at how bad it was. And that happens to be the year of the biggest Super Bowl blowout, right, Zach? Yeah, which one was this? Was this 89? This year 90. That happened? 89, 90 season. So, oh, like yeah, yeah. January yeah. of 1990 was when the Charlie Brown one you said. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. I was just looking at Wikipedia a second ago and I did not actually notice this. Now, back to the Disney ones, obviously. Um, you know. Now, I've thought of this, you know, we talk about, you know, these teams winning world championships during the COVID pandemic, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and like smack talkers will say stuff like Mickey Mouse ring this, Mickey Mouse ring that, bubble <laughs> championships. You, you want a real example of a Mickey Mouse ring? Well, more like an illegitimate Mickey Mouse ring. Like, go go with those ones. Oh, like, these were the, these were some Mickey Mouse shows. These were Mickey some Mickey Mouse, Mouse Super Bowls. Super, Mickey Mouse Super Bowls. Oh yeah, and it was okay. Not necessarily the rings, like for the world champions, but yeah, Mickey Mouse Super Bowls. It was it was generally yeah they they uh there were gosh Disney did like five or six of them, and most of them were passable entertainment, but in the end, like uh, most you know, kind of Disney aesthetic stuff, just very toothless and uh, not very like, just no, uh, I, I don't know if edge is the right word, but just nothing to, to really, really capture like an audience. Oh yeah. Now, yeah, I know of at least two Super Bowls that I, that Disney did it in. Anyway, um, if you're able, like you wouldn't happen to know like any like details on the any of the ones prior to 1982, would you? We watched a couple like clips of some of them, but but it seems like especially in you know the beginning years of the Super Bowl in the sixties and seventies, oh, it yeah. was a lot of marching bands. The marching bands, that prime example, especially for like the first three, four, or even five. Yep. Yeah, it seemed like they did a lot of marching bands, which is like, you know, you start off like talking about the the halftime show is like kind of a different concert. You know, they start off with very normal football halftime show. Uh, entertainment, right? March, like marching bands. That's very like you know classic. They still do that in a lot of college games, uh, and, and I assume some pro games as well. But I, I'm not exactly sure. I don't go to many. Uh, and uh, then they you know started doing a little bit bigger of a concert. They started with the Up with People. They started with the Disney stuff, and then uh, you know they they do a couple different uh, they do a couple different weird ones. Like in 1989, Zach, who was playing in 1989? Okay. Or in, in 88, 89. 88, 89 would have been the San Francisco 49ers and the Cincinnati Bengals. Okay, perfect. So in it was in Miami that year. Do you remember how the game went? I do, actually. The 49ers won on a last-second, last-minute touchdown pass from Joe Montana to John Taylor. Oh, man. that's Well, it sounds like a pretty good game. It did not have a very good halftime show because in 1989 they had an, a, a – a, Elvis impersonator who also did magic. Whoa, Elvis impersonator. Called Elvis <laughs> Presto was his name. I have found, we we've we tried to look this guy up. It seems like he's really only ever done this show. And I have no idea whose like, nephew he is or, 
you know, what, how the things converged. I mean, the, the year before they had had Chubby Checkers and the Rockettes, which is at least like a higher brow, you know, group than, than Elvis Presto. I promise you, you're gonna find this card trick's gonna blow your mind. But first you have to pick a card. Come on and concentrate real hard. Pick your card by clapping hands so everybody in the stand. Let's hear it for your card because your choice depends on your applause. Not to mention that magic is especially like, it just doesn't work when the audience is just so far away. So most of these tricks kind of worked for the TV and it was like, you know, it was pretty lame ones. You know, he was he did saw a girl on half at the end, which was all right. Um, but most of this, I'm sure, was completely invisible just so far away from the audience in the stands that it, it must have been really like weird and alienating his voice sounded terrible too and he was obviously very lip-synced but even so it was it was a very strange show probably the weirdest outlier of all of the pre uh, uh, good era of Super Bowl halftime shows but I I certainly don't remember or I don't know much about the pre 82 shows. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, obviously now um, the Super Bowl, you know, it it kind of started off in, you know, 67 and kind of evolves into what it is today. You know, it was still very much evolving. People are still very much learning. And halftime is pretty much the same one. Same thing, right? Although oh, certainly. pretty much the audience on TV really didn't, I would think. Now, well, when did, when did the Super Bowl start to get popular as like a televised event? Yeah, now... Really, kind of when it started, if we're talking television mm-hmm. and popularity of it, you know, it's kind of the year it started, 66, 67. Really? So um, it was a pretty quick TV hit. Because millions of viewers tuned into two networks to watch the first ever Super Bowl in January of 1967. It was the Packers over the Chiefs that year. Um, it's the only Super Bowl ever that aired on two networks, CBS and NBC. Really? It was just like a public broadcast at that point. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. And now, um, yeah, who knows? You you probably went over some of these already, but... Um, That's all right. right. Is, like, what would be, like, say, your least favorite shows? Or that... My least happened? favorite shows? Uh, I think that, obviously, the Peanuts one is was really bad in, uh, in 1990. In 1992, uh, they did this one called Winter Magic. Uh, and it was just uh, terrible. It was like they had a like Frosty the Snowman, like uh, a dress up character, like a kind of like a Disneyland character. And uh, they sang, they did like a, a rap about how how like snow is cool, Frosty's cool. They had Olympic ice skaters because the Winter Olympics was also that year, and they had them ice skating on this like one square meter like ice it was like so small that they couldn't even do any cool tricks so they were just kind of going in circles around um it was just really awkward and like seemed like a last minute it 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 seemed like a like a prom theme more than a super bowl halftime show like it it just seemed like a general like they were trying to create a winter vibe and i that's just not it's not the way to go and it was it was genuinely awful um zach who played in 92 in 90, 91, 91 92. 91, 92, so that would have been, like, Super Bowl 26. It, w- 
It was it was in Minneapolis that year. It would have been the Redskins over the Bills. 37 to 24 was the final of that one, which was the second of four straight Super Bowl losses the Bills suffered in that span. That was part wow, really. Well, you know what? The that winter magic uh halftime show was just about as much of a disappointment as, as the uh 90s Bills were. So <laughs> uh then, you know, uh, other ones like Up with People, I think was just generally genuinely very it just it didn't seem like very thought out. It almost seemed like it was more like the it seemed like the performers were having a lot more fun than the audience really was. Um a lot of the Disney ones really didn't connect. Uh they just kind of seemed like Disneyland ads. Um let's see. We had uh Elvis Presto was very weird. The we had a year called Tops in Blue. That was the one with the with the uh uh air like it had the Air Force. It had the guy with the jetpack. Um that was it was a little bit more interesting just just visually but uh music was definitely left something to be desired that year L- you know lower on then we start to get into the uh the the good era of of halftime shows which is it was striking to me that halftime shows really only seemed to get good pretty recently in super bowl history you know they started in 66 they, Michael Jackson, I, in my opinion, did the first good Super Bowl halftime show in 1993. Um, was that game any good? Did that ma- did the game match Not the really. halftime was, show at all? It was probably one of the bigger blowouts. Actually, that was the third straight Super Bowl out of the four that the Bills suffered. It was mm. 52 to 17. Oh, so a bit and of a blowout. It was, yeah, it kind of was. Dang. Um, it was at the Rose Bowl that year. Really? In Pasadena. I I like to think 90. Two or that that year mm-hmm. is kind of when they stopped hosting them, or that was probably the last year they ever had it at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena for whatever reason. I don't know why they haven't held one there since. I mean, it holds one hundred ten thousand people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just haven't haven't used that stadium in a while, huh? Yeah, I mean, interesting. Well, the the next year after uh, Michael Jackson, they had. Uh, what was called Rock and Country Sunday with Clint Black, Tanya Tucker, uh, Travis Tritt, and the Judds. It, it was pretty good. Like I'm not really like a country music guy so much, so it wasn't quite as much our style. But I think it was you know completely passable and a lot better because I think what they they realized is that condensing it and just getting like a few specific acts instead of like a larger theme or or like massive groups of people like up with people that had like a hundred people. You know, taking it down and just like doing a couple artists like works so much better because it, it draws a focus, right? It draws a specific focus. Oh, yeah. So that one was all right. Uh, in 95, they had uh, this was the final, I believe, Disney. The uh, one that Disney, Disney did. one. And it was oh, it 95, was, right? 94, was, 95. 94, 95. So this would have been the year the 49ers played in it and beat their Chargers to win their most recent Super Bowl that the 49ers have won. Yeah. Well, they had. An Indiana Jones themed Super Bowl, which was very strange because uh, it wasn't really a musical act. I mean, it kind of, it was like there was musical performances, but it was almost like a Broadway feeling, uh, where Indiana Jones was was trying to like save this girl and uh, save like find this little artifact that was called I think the Forbidden Eye. Um, it was it was all right. Uh, Tony Bennett comes in and and, and sings for a little bit. It was it, that was honestly like the saving grace of that show, um, but it, it was just very strange to see like 
Disney kind of. I think that one of the last gasps. Oh, I, I actually take it back. That's the second to last Disney one. After that, uh, in '96, we have Diana Ross, and I think that she did uh, uh, pretty dang good. Uh, she certainly did better than even some of the later acts. Like uh, I think she did better than uh, the Blues Brothers in '97. I think she did better than the Rolling Stones in 2006. The in 1997, uh, the Blues Brothers were out there, but this is post uh, John Belushi dying, and so they brought in his brother Jim Belushi and uh, John Goodman, who later uh, held the role, played the role in Blues Brothers 2000, which is a pretty bad movie, especially compared to the original. It seemed very strange for them to to choose the Blues Brothers for 97 because. Uh, well, especially like one of the Blues Brothers had passed away, and also it felt like a, an SNL sketch really wasn't suited for such a big show as uh, as the Super Bowl. But uh, they did also uh, get a bunch of side acts to to go with them, and that really saved that year. You know, the, you you had uh, James Brown, you had ZZ Top coming in for a little bit. They had some really good. Uh, side acts to, to come on and help them along. But I certainly think that they could have done that without having the Blues Brothers. Yeah. Now, um, now you said 94 was the second to last one that Disney did. Where, yeah, what was Indiana the last Jones one with... that Disney did? The last Which one that Disney did was 2000. They did the Millennium Show. Oh, 2000. 99-2000. Mm-hmm. Where, where the Rams won over the Titans. Yeah, that, that Super Bowl right there. And It was very strange. Uh, they had these massive puppets i guess the special effects i think were really really fun i had a great time with it uh some of my friends did not as much but i ended up uh, uh throwing that in the c tier high c tier um i i they had these weird puppets that like danced in this like otherworldly fashion they had uh uh some really really interesting choreography i and it didn't really call attention to the disneyness of it all very much which i think really helped it uh that was certainly a drawback of the previous ones so I think that that's probably the best Disney show, and it, luckily the last one. I think that it's we're it's good that we're kind of behind that era now, and we can actually focus on like artists. So now we're into the two thousands. Now, um, so now, so now we we went over some of the ones earlier that stood out to you the most. Um, you know, now are would would you say most of these are from like say two thousand to present? I think that. Most of the good ones really are. I mean, you have a couple other ones. Like, I, I do think that the Stevie Wonder did great in 1999. 99. Uh, that, was, that was a celebration of Soul Salsa and Swing. They had Gloria Estefan. They had Stevie Wonder. They had Big Bad, Bad Voodoo Daddy and Savion Glover. Um, that was all, all pretty good. Uh, and I think that Stevie Wonder really sh- stole the show that year. Like, yeah, like we said, 2000 was, it was strange, uh, but it had uh, some other, you know, extra, uh, Extra singers that had Phil Collins, it had Christina Aguilera, Enrique Iglesias, um, all wearing very normal clothes for the bizarre scene that was like happening around them. Uh, I think that 2001 was pretty good. Uh, yeah, they had Aerosmith I, I like and NSYNC. NSYNC, Britney Spears appeared in that one as well. Yep, just for like one second, but uh, right at the end. But I think that it was a really, really good show. You had something for the older people, right? You had Aerosmith, uh, which. I think that they did fantastically. You had an unlikely pairing with NSYNC, which I was so surprised at how much I actually liked Justin Timberlake and uh, uh, Steven Tyler singing together. But it actually worked pretty well. They were having, they were clearly having a lot of fun. Um, they uh, uh, 
Then Britney Spears came out. It was great. Mary J. Blige and Nelly were there for a second. Um, and that was, so that was a really fun show. Uh, then next you had, I, I'm not one for overly saccharine, uh, shows and 2002, of course, was the 9-11 show with you two. I also generally, (laughs) personally, as my own opinion, I hate Bono. I just, I just don't like him at all. Uh, so that really brought that down for me personally, but you know, it, it was, it was certainly a reaction to like our whole country went through this like massive, like dry heave culturally after 9-11 yeah. it just freaked everyone out all all our movies were weird for a year all of our songs were weird for a year and it follows that you know our super bowl halftime show would be kind of weird that year as well so yeah yeah now um like was like 9-11 actually like the idea behind that band specifically not behind the band but behind the performance absolutely uh, during the whole performance they projected the names of people who died uh, on 9-11 uh at the end bono opened up his shirt and he had an American flag in there. Uh, and uh, they sang like, it's a beautiful day, you know, to like show like, uh, you know, we're rebuilding all this stuff. But yeah, the, they they certainly really, that was the theme. Like we, we the, the theme of that episode was just 9-11 or oh, yeah. of, that, of that halftime show. Definitely. Now, of course, the next two years you had, um, now I don't know that I've ever watched this one. Like, of course, next year, 2003 would have been, um, no doubt, and Shania Twain. You know, I actually just recently found that one out. Um, I probably, at some point, I need to go back and watch that one. But the next year, two thousand four. Um, well, now, hold on, I got to talk about two thousand three. Two thousand three was the girls' rock year. That was the girls' rock year for the Super Bowl halftime show. They, you know, they they did a, a couple for the the fellas. You know, they had Aerosmith, they had U two, and this year they they started with Shania Twain singing "Man, I Feel Like a Woman." Later on, they had No Doubt come out and sing Just a Girl. Uh, they also had Sting uh, doing Message in a Bottle, which was great. Uh, but that that certainly was like the, the girls' rock year, 2003. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Now, and then then we go to 2004. Now, um, of course, you had Janet Jackson. I think Justin Timberlake also appeared in that one as well. I think, yeah, I think that's, notably. That, that was, that was, that, he's that was appeared in three Super Bowl halftime shows. Now, like the reason I bring 2004 up specifically is like, like you want a Super Bowl halftime show that say, our mother would rate on her lowest tier of Super Bowl halftime shows, or so that someone else might go with that one. You know, it, it's a real shame that the uh, like notable uh, uh, nip slip like controversy happened during that show because I think that Janet Jackson did an awesome show before that, and it is just such a strange event to have happened like such a culturally like that was one of the last events that i think like everyone remembers you know like everyone was present for live Uh, a lot of people remember that the website youtube was originally made so that the founders could post uh uncensored versions of the nip slip uh on the internet that's that was the original conception for the the website youtube um but it's just a weird very strange event because it, it i mean Watching it now, it sure seems like Justin Timberlake is more at fault than Janet Jackson. Uh, with that, I, I it seems like he reached his hand all the way over to, to pull the, the, the thing off of her chest. But I, I, at this point, enough ink has been spilled talking about that. I think that Janet Jackson did do a really good show, though. Yeah, now, of course. And Kid Rock really brought it down. I think uh, Kid I, Rock. I don't think that he gelled with the performance very well. 
So, so after 2004, this very controversial halftime show, the whoever was running the Super Bowl, the NFL, you know, decided that oh, we need to bring this down a little bit. We need to because before we were having pop, we were having you know, verging into hip hop a little bit, and that has backfired because now everyone talked about Janet Jackson's nipple for a whole year. So this year we're gonna have just old ass Paul McCartney on a piano oh, plinking yeah. away <laughs> in 2005, just boring our brains out. I, uh, I, I, I like Paul thing. McCartney just fine. Not a good Super Bowl act at all. Not a good Super Bowl act. Oh uh, yeah, I was I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, now from the time Michael Jackson performed like through like say 2010, you know, I'd say most Super Bowl halftime shows were kind of like inconsistent. You know, some of the performances would be great, some not so much. Yeah. But now now you go forward in the 2000s more most of them were like kind of like subpar kind of like older Guys on the show now. You had um, well and, Tom Petty one year. You had Rolling Stone. Rolling Stones was better the, than the previous. Rolling Stones year. was better than Paul McCartney, but it was also felt that was really like that was one concert where you really started to see the Stones age. Like they 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 started uh, uh, with uh, Start Me Up. They did Rough Justice. Uh, Can't get no satisfaction. Yep. And it. They just seemed so old. It seemed like they were like having trouble dancing. Like their bodies just couldn't take the strain anymore. Um, they were definitely doing a little bit more low key there. Luckily, in two thousand seven, we were finally gifted a little bit of oh, reprieve yes. with Prince, which, Prince? in my opinion, is the best Super Bowl halftime show that has ever been done. And I would it agree. May never be surpassed. We are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. Purple rain in a rainstorm. This is to this day, if correct me if I'm wrong, Zach, the only Super Bowl where it has rained at all. I think you're right. Uh, it. I, I'd have and, to look. I honestly think in, you're right. And in my opinion, it was Prince that did that. He made it rain. I, I swear to God. And it started raining he, when he he, came he made it happen. Oh, I think it had been raining all day, and uh, he came out, and on this this massive purple uh, stage. In, in the Prince symbol that he has, his little logo symbol. He uh, did some great numbers. He, he really just like flew all around. He did some Bob Dylan. He did uh, some of his own original songs. Uh, he, he sang Proud Mary. Like he was just bouncing all over the place, all sorts of um, all sorts of different genres and styles. And he was the first person, in my opinion, to utilize a marching band correctly. The thing that we started off with at the very beginning. He actually had a marching band come up in the third uh, like third act section of his show. And they, they started playing along and it matched the song really well. And it worked uh, while he's just, you know, uh, absolutely slaying on the guitar uh, in the rain. He's got these two uh, uh, twin dancers behind him in these like tiny, tiny little high heels on this, I assume, just slick as hell stage during the rain and they didn't fall or slip once uh and there was no side acts it was just prince the whole time start to finish i think he he seriously uh uh that he he brought like a a layer of spectacle and like artistry to to the super bowl stage that year uh which was really really good cool to see it was a good year best super bowl halftime show in my opinion yeah people talk about this most recent one i mean I think some of them are delusional. I mean, that's definitely one that's up there. But, I mean, now you have, um, say, now after Prince, you kind of had a couple more 
inconsistent ones. I'm, yeah, like, you had Tom Petty, like, which was pretty good. You had Bruce Springsteen in the E Street Band, which oh, yeah. I thought when we started the Bruce Springsteen show that it was going to be a lot like the Paul McCartney, a lot like the Rolling Stones, a little bit like aging stars that are here to keep the dads in their chair uh, during halftime. But turns out that uh, all those people that called Bruce Springsteen the boss were absolutely correct. He is an excellent performer. Totally uh, killed that show. Uh, so honestly, one of the better Super Bowl halftime shows, in my opinion. Uh, I, I ranked him in the A tier on our tier list. Uh, he, he did this great slide. He was just having so much fun up there that like even if you were in the audience or watching on TV, like it just brought this energy uh, to it that was really, really cool to see. Really fun. Oh, yeah. Now, um, of course, you have a couple more. You have like The Who, I think, in 2000. 10 and then yeah but really the year the black eyed peas started you know for basically from 11 to present is kind of when like it's kind of the modern the, mo- the modern era of like you know some were better than others previous to that you know some super bowl halftime shows across history have been better than others but really 2010 when the black eyed peas started is kind of like say the modern era of yeah yeah right pepsi like basically the modern era of where the like what the Super Bowl is yeah, to exactly the halftime show is today. And it kind of solidifies everything turns black. You know, everything turns black. I mean, it goes pitch black at the beginning of it. At the beginning of the Black Eyed Peas one, like, yeah. At the beginning, now every I'm, show since then, pretty much almost. Well, and that's that's an another interesting thing about the performance is that we discovered that there's a massive, massive handicap in uh, the Super Bowl halftime show, which is when the game is played on the West Coast, like in California. Because then, if that's the case, then it is daytime and the sun is out during the halftime yeah, show, th- and it it takes a lot of energy out of the performance. Oh, yeah, to you be fair, this? that's that's exactly what happened in 2016 when the with Broncos, Coldplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Beyonce made an appearance in that one. That as one well. just felt just lower energy because it was in the daytime. It yeah. just wasn't as as yeah, yeah like, didn't stand out like that. Yeah, I guess the only difference though is uh, like. Basically, the the rest of them were pretty much played on the East Coast, so they were able to kind of turn out the lights on that one. Yep. Yeah, I, I think you know, that and, really helps with and you know, you have people like like Michael Jackson, right? Like, it, w- it would be a long time though, right, before there were people starting to like teleport on the stage and all all mm-hmm. these certain things. Like Lady Gaga did that. Katy Perry, ja- I'm sure, did that. Michael Jackson was really ahead of his time in in doing a lot of things that now you know, feel like very normal halftime show, extravagant, like crazy stunts and stuff. Uh, but really like stopped happening after him for a while until, yeah, just about the, the 2010s, you know, especially like Black Eyed Peas. You, you, the Black Eyed Peas, you're, I, in, I don't think was very good. Uh, whoever was doing the audio mixing was really screwing up. Uh, they sound just awful uh, musically. And uh, it's mostly just them kind of sitting there in their robot suits awkwardly dancing and on stage and walking around usher was a highlight that year but it certainly didn't uh i don't think it really lived up to what it could have been the next year we had madonna who you know oh yeah even though she is also you know getting up there in age a little bit at the time she absolutely like still had that showmanship like was yeah it really doesn't show though honestly oh she's her age like never really shows no certainly well yeah she's uh had a lot of work done to make sure that that is the case but she did great though um, it was very weird because, of course, it's 2012. They had LMFAO out there really? for, with Madonna. I recently found that out. Did, did they do any party rock in that one? I think they did, like, for one. They did, like, party rock and, and sexy, and I know it, for, like, yeah. like you know, one little minute. And then 
Uh, they had, you know, a bunch of other people. They had CeeLo out for a while. Madonna also had a really good use of uh, a marching band and a drum line. Uh, we put her in the S tier, actually. It was, it was a really good show. She, you know, came out on a big float. She had cars driving through. She had all these, like, really, really, you know, well, like, choreographed dancers. Um, yeah, great show. Now, uh, then you get in 2013, you get Beyonce, which is also, like, such a good show. Probably second best after Prince. Uh, Madonna has so much, like, energy in that show. And, like, the choreography is all great. The pyrotechnics, there's so much fire in this show. <laughs> Uh, it, and she had Destiny's Child out and sang a couple of their songs. It really, uh, it really worked. Uh, and I think that she is like, people are, are correct. in you know, when they, they talk about her as like one of the greatest performers of like this era. Yeah. And then of course you have like the last few, like the last less than 10 that we've most recently had. Um, now, uh, Bruno Mars was an awesome one. I thought the next three I were thought Bruno Mars awesome. And, and then I, you know, you know, we had him, Katy Perry, and then, yeah, those two were pretty awesome. And then I'd say probably these last three were awesome as well. And then, yeah, I think most of them, I, all, I'd say pretty much all of them, except maybe like Coldplay's one, which you know, just didn't have the same vibe to it. Were pretty much I all think, awesome shows. I think that the the problem with Coldplay's, you know, you had Bruno Mars and the Red Hot Chili Peppers, which worked so well together. You had Katy Perry with these big extravagant, you know, she came out on the lion and she had the, the you know, very, uh, uh, like infamous left shark that forgot the dances uh and was just kind of like moving around in his silly little shark costume uh just a really like memorable one i don't think katie perry may have had like the the like uh, uh especially after bruno mars and beyonce i think that her like musical talent wasn't uh, it, it definitely started to like show cracks a little bit which i was so surprised at but her her her, her like uh dis like display like really made up for it that year Coldplay, I think you're right. It it definitely felt a little bit lower energy, but also because it felt like a reunion episode. It was like Coldplay for a little bit, and then they just stopped to like kind of okay, Coldplay, go go take a break, go off here, go on the side, and we're gonna have Beyonce, Bruno Mars, uh, come out, and uh, you know this is after Bruno Mars had gotten big with uh, 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 Uptown Funk, oh, and yeah. so of course they played that. Uh, that really like kept the energy up, and you know like also handicapped because it was in California. That year is in, in Santa Clara, and uh, definitely then Coldplay came back in awkwardly at the end to, as like, yeah, hey, remember we're here too, guys. Uh, so that that definitely suffered a little bit. Then next year you had Lady Gaga, who I think absolutely killed it. Oh, yeah. Started with jumping off of the stage in this like kind of awkward little little jump that she does. It was really really fun. Yeah, that was. Top five, in my opinion, I without agree. a doubt. And then did you have Justin Timberlake. Justin Timberlake that, after that. was that. a fun show, but a little weird in the sense I, that he kind of went up in the stands and did some stuff. Yeah, it just didn't seem no. like – it seemed like he did, was not very into it. It seemed like he didn't want to be there the whole time. Uh, at the end, he – he uh, yeah, he kind of went into the audience, which, like, is fine in theory, but it just seemed like he was kind of – I don't know. It, it did not seem like he was – very uh, uh prepared or, or like into it as much as he should be he didn't bring very much energy to it uh he's doing like a bunch of new justin which is just uh wearing this like bizarre like quote-unquote western getup. that's after he moved to montana of course and, really? and became a real montana resident you know up there in the in big sky yellowstone club uh so and that's also when he wrote uh, the album montana which is terrible terrible okay. terrible when album. did he write that uh, it was a couple years ago. I think it was around yeah. 2018. Yeah. Now, um, I think the 
the people who did the Super Bowl halftime shows after that, you know, I know you'll have you had Maroon Five, which was now, terrible. Now, now, I, I was planning on asking you that. First of all, you <laughs> stole the words right out of my mouth. That I think the the ones after that, especially, cr- crushed it. You know, the ones since him absolutely crushed it. But yeah, talk about the Maroon Five one. I you you were, I knew you were a big fan of Maroon Five. <laughs> <laughs> the Maroon Five show is a travesty. Uh, just Adam, uh, 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 what's his name? Adam Levine. Adam Levine limply pretending like he is a good musician, like strutting around the stage, taking off his shirt, like as if it was like he was obligated to, to reveal tattoos that basically felt like you went into a tattoo shop and you were like, I'd like some tattoos. Just, yeah. and, and that's all you gave them. Like, I, I've, I've thought of him that way now nowadays, like, Adam Levine, the man with 32,000 tattoos. Well, it's fine to yeah. have them, but it just, they look so bad. Oh, like, that was awful. like the bad part about it. Uh, he, he, of course, like, it's it's very him-centered, and he's not a very engaging performer. Uh, they they teased now 2019 for a lot of, like, millennial uh, kids. You That was the year that uh, Steven Hillenburg died, uh, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants. And a lot of people were talking about, well, oh, at the Super Bowl this year, they could do a little bit of the song Sweet Victory, which played in the Super Bowl episode of Spongebob. They were supposed to do that. They, what happened to that They had hinted idea? at it, and, and the thing is that rumors were swirling, and so people were saying, oh, to honor Steve, Steven Hillenburg dying, then they were going to do Sweet Victory, and we were all kind of excited about it. And then it came on, and it was a reanimated clip of the episode for like one second announcing Travis Scott... Travis Scott. Flying into the stadium on a CG meteor and then doing uh, uh, sicko mode. Doing sicko mode in just the second worst performance of Travis Scott's career. <laughs> uh, and uh, they had Big Boy on. Now, Big Boy was actually all right. Uh, but it just definitely felt very strange. Like they were, they just kind of uh, lumped in, you know, they brought in, in, in a couple of those these other performers just because it was in Atlanta that year. Uh, but I, I will never say no to having some big boy on stage. So, oh yeah, now bad show though. Now, overall, you're you're getting me to think that way. Now that I think about it, with Travis Scott and the fact that they didn't play Sweet Victory on there. Now, Room Five. I mean, I I wouldn't mind like him at all. But like the fact that you know Tra- the Travis Scott part and the yeah to to me the Travis Scott part and the fact that they did not play Sweet Victory is kind of what made it. It just kind felt of, kind of so as as weird. Was. Now, um. All of them since then, absolutely crushing. You know, of course, yeah, J Lo and yeah, J Lo and Shakira, right? and the last the, show that we got before the pandemic hit. Yeah, in and, February. And then, and of course, I, I don't really like the weekend all that much, but his Super Bowl halftime performance was pretty dang good. He definitely made year. the most of the situation because after, uh, after twenty twenty, you know, there was it was the COVID year and. Uh, there was a lot of precaution that had to be taken uh, to keep people safe. And so uh, it was basically entirely for the television audience, which was unique. Um, the stage was up high in the stands uh, instead of out in the center of the field. He was kind of in like a mirror room with a bunch of people with gauze wrapped around their face, which is a pretty clever way of like, you know, they can have masks on, but also like look good as like characters in a performance. Uh, I think it was, he did the best with what was given to him. And then of course, after that, we have the 2022 year, which was an all-time year, in my opinion. You got Dr. Dre, 
You got Snoop Dogg, Eminem, Mary J. Blige, Kendrick. Uh, Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, finally, I, I think some rap. The, the more and, I think about like, it, now the more I think about it, that was a Super Bowl like that. Um, you know, it was kind of like the vibe of it. You know, like with the with the sunlight. It was in Los Angeles. Since, since it was in Los and, Angeles. And here that year. is where here is where that actually works to their advantage because it was in Inglewood, California. And so they got a lot of West Coast hip hop uh, to like really like cement the vibe, right? Uh, you, the next episode by Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg is like a, you can listen to that that rap song in the daytime and it still feels fine because it's like you're cruising around, you know, L.A. Right? It's West Coast. So that and so Dre and Snoop uh, really got that like vibe going. Um, it's pretty fun. Uh, uh, I, I Snoop uh, deliberately wore. Uh, Crip colors, apparently, even though they told him not to. Uh, we had a couple, you know, like little uh, uh, political things like Eminem kneeled at the end of his show, uh, which was pretty interesting Oh, to Eminem see. was in that one as well? Eminem was in that one, yeah. Oh, I was not aware. I need, I need to start doing my homework. Oh, yeah. that's all right. Maybe yeah. we'll rewatch it after we after Yeah, but the show. like, yeah, and, and, yeah, anyway, it was like kind of, kind of a little daylight, but it, it didn't seem to bother them. But like, last question we'll end on is... um. Say, um, there's obviously, you know, like, there's no way of knowing, like, there's no way of knowing what the future holds for these Super Bowl halftime shows, but, like, what, like, what do you see in, like, in their, like, in that future? Like, if, 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 if there's anything we, like, can possibly foreshadow, like, like, in the ones after Rihanna performs in this one, you know, what, what do you see in it? What, like, what is it? Well, I think we've definitely settled on, like, a type of thing that the Super Bowl halftime show is now. Um, like, the, the big performances with, with the top-level stars. And I, I think that Rihanna is, like, obviously going to continue and, like, cement that. Uh, but in the future, I definitely – it's hard to tell what the, the future of Super Bowl halftimes hold because uh, I, I think a lot of it is going to have to do with, like, changing technology. Like, we're starting to get, like, you know – massive drone shows you know like making massive logos above the you know that's like the new Goodyear blimp is like a big Pepsi logo made of drones um but I also I'm very curious to see because I think that that the NFL has had uh has has definitely started to make itself more like everyone friendly I think that that it's trying to appeal to such a mass market at this point that uh uh the the halftime shows in the future, I imagine will start to feel like Marvel movies, where like suddenly, like uh, it becomes so mass appeal that it starts to lose any edge or like sense of artistry. Um, I can't prove that, obviously, it's the future, but uh, I I can kind of see a little bit of a trend that direction, just like beginning to to happen. Um, and so I, I think that eventually, you know, 10, 20 years down the line, if if this trend continues, like we might get to see some Super Bowls that you know, are very, like, you know, coordinated by committee or very, um, very, uh, 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 safe. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. But I don't think that we've hit that point yet. And so I'm not gonna, you know, condemn, obviously, like, I, I love Rihanna. I'll bet she'll be great this year. Um, but cementing into a specific style, I actually don't think is the best. I think you actually need bad ones occasionally. To, to keep everyone on their toes and, like, keep reminding people, like, oh, it, this is, like, a concert. This is a performance. We need some artistry. We need some, like, 
you know, real showmanship. We need people to understand the form of the Super Bowl halftime show, like understand what it is and, and how to actually do it correctly. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Now, for me personally, there there have been some performers that, like, I've been wishing that would come on or would hope hoping that would come on. But at any rate, you've been listening to Christopher Austin about Super Bowl halftime shows. Enjoy your Super Bowl Sunday. Enjoy the Super Bowl halftime show. It appears promised to be another good one, as Christopher and I have talked about. Christopher, thanks for coming on. Thanks so much for having me, Zach. And you've been listening to Christopher Austin on our Super Bowl Sunday edition of the Dollars Gang podcast. It should be a great Super Bowl game indeed. And so enjoy the game. Enjoy your snacks. Enjoy the time with your friends and family. And have a great Super Bowl weekend. Have a great night, everybody.